Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. And welcome to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design news from the week. Hi, Olivia. Hey, Micah. What a week it has been. It is snowing like crazy over here. <laughs> you um, are spared the torrential weather. Yes, now that I'm all the way down in South Carolina, there's only rain. Oh my gosh, you need to develop an accent now. Oh, I already have. (laughs) Oh, wow. No, it's funny. It's just funny how, uh, like, when you're talking to people out buying groceries or something, it's so easy for me to just, like, accidentally pick up a word. And suddenly Mm. I'm talking, like, I've been here, like, two weeks. Like, I have no business talking with any accent. Just you wait. Just you wait. I mean, I still have my Chicago accent, so I don't know if I'll ever grow out of that. But it's gotten a little bit better throughout the years. And occasionally, when I'm around too many New Yorkers, I start saying New Yorky things like water. <laughs> oh, I talked to a New Yorker the other day, somebody from Long Island, and she like avoided whole words because like she came up with this whole other vocabulary of terminology to avoid certain words so that her New York accent wouldn't come out. I was that's like, that's amazing. crazy. I think it's a cool, I, all accents are cool. I bet she says horrible. That's such a New York thing. <laughs> that is that is a very New York thing. So good. In all any right, case, Micah. we've got fun links and a whole heck of nerd alert. Tease us about the nerd alert. What are we going to talk about? So our first article is going to tease us, but I'll I'll give us a good tease before the first article. It is about legibility versus readability, which I'm putting some extra energy into this because they mm. don't sound like a fun topic, but it is fascinating what the difference is. I feel passionate that designers should know the difference about them when they are critiquing other designs or giving mm. feedback or um, even just looking at their stuff with a critical eye. It's important to know. And to be quite honest, I wasn't like too familiar with the exact definitions before I did this research. So this is some valuable stuff. That's interesting because this was a whole section in the course that we once did. Well, it was once called The Confident Designer and also once called beyond design by feeling. But I am equally passionate about the difference between these two things and the fact that it's it's rarely taught about. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so anticlimactic, but okay. <laughs> Please leave that in too. We're going we're gonna to dive right into this first article, which I actually found because I've been fascinated in this concept for a long time. And it's the concept of a booma. I think it's pronounced Booma. It might be pronounced Boma. It's a B-O-U-M-A. And I think it's a really fascinating word because it's named after a person, but it is the name of the shape that a word forms. So when letters come together to create the word apple, the word apple has a certain shape and that shape is the Booma. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So This article, it's not necessarily new, but I think it has really insightful information. I mean, come on. We're always talking about as designers, are we setting this in, you know, mixed case, upper and lower? Are we setting this in uppercase? And is there really a legibility issue when you set things in uppercase versus if you set it from upper and lower? I think it's a similar question, honestly, to is Times New Roman or Arial more readable? Mm. Well, it actually depends on, you know, what we see the most often so the ralph herman typography guru researches a bunch about how people read and the actual science 
behind it. And it's just so fascinating how that relates to how we set type, because a lot of people for so long thought a word shape uh, helped us understand what we were reading. But later it's gotten proven that we actually no letters in the word shape. It's not just the word shape itself. And they do all these different tests showing, you know, a block of text with upper and lower and then a block of text with uppercase. And there's only, I think like a 12% higher readability rate for upper and lower, which isn't that much, but they also set it and then they blur the text a little bit as if like you're seeing it from a far distance and it is easier to read the upper and lower. Revisiting this stuff every so often is so important because if you're designing and a client says, well, I want it to be all uppercase and you're designing signage for an event, you can say, hey, if you are seeing this from 50 feet away, I, I am sure there is scientific proof that it is easier to see upper and lower than it is to, uh, to make out what uppercase letters That's look like. such so a perfect just- example. I think so many times, so many subjective thoughts get pulled into design with tastes and preference that we forget that part of our job is the science behind how our eyes work and how our brain works. Totally. Um, And I don't want to give away too much. There's a lot of detail. I can go on this about this article for a really long time, but I really wanted to put it front and center this week. Great find. Great find. Thank you, my friend. Jumping us back into the more whimsical aesthetic world of typography, we have an awesome post by Future Fonts, and it is called, What the Variable Font? Question mark, exclamation (laughs) point. And it's a really great overview of variable fonts. I read through it. They have some um, great references to variable fonts that exist. But I think the most valuable thing is that they teach you how to access variable fonts in your Adobe programs, which I think is honestly a little bit hidden. It's not very obvious how to access the axes in there. And then they talk about ways you can animate variable fonts with Python. It's very cool. Animatable also with CSS, FYI. Oh, no, thank you. That is that is actually, you know, I've been working on a project that is going very deep into what variable fonts can do and writing about mm-hmm. them and demonstrating them. And so it's been kind of fun. I have basically been making little widgets that let you access these things and see what they all do and how you can relate to them typographically. And this is kind of a cool, mm-hmm. I would say this is a very cool intro article because it doesn't go super in depth into what you can do, but it does show you some actual, mm-hmm. you know, here's where you find this palette in Adobe, like you said, and here's what it looks like as you change it. And that's a really good mm-hmm. introduction. I think we take for granted that some people just haven't gotten introduced to the technology yet. It's just recently in the past couple of years become accessible to like the everyday user. I mean, speaking of which, we have been working to update as many of our fonts as we can. So if you don't have variable fonts. There is certainly a list of where to find cool variable fonts here, some of which are like crazy. And if you want to just mess with one that you're already familiar with, go check out the downloads on our site. Like we've been updating a bunch and tagging them as we do it. So you can tell when you click on one of our font pages, like League Spartan, I think is variable. There's a couple other ones. I remember when you were showing me the new site, I was very pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, shoot. I didn't know we were, you know, bringing this all into the 21st century. This is great. Sadly, I didn't really have time to update the interface on the site to play with all the variable axes in line, but you can at least see that it is variable and 
download it for free. Just one last note on this article. Uh, whoever reads it, scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a very cool GIF showing all of, showing a great array of variable fonts with different kinds of axes. And then there's this great black letter variable font that turns into a Russian unchul. This is also why Future very Fonts is cool because cool, like type designers kind of just get to mess with stuff and put it up and like then you can mm-hmm. use it. This is actually a really cool yeah. font. What the heck? This is crazy. I know. It's mesmerizing. Yeah. So definitely check it out. Um, Our next link is like got to be the most novel thing I've seen in the type design hemisphere for the past year or so because I can't get over this. <laughs> and it is um, it is a published thesis that Victor Galtney did Um, I believe at University of Reading, which has like an outstanding type design program. And this thesis contains the results of a five-year study into the italic design process. It consists of 279 pages, almost 200 illustrations. Okay, that, first of all, objectively, a big major feat. But I am so excited because I was also a human that was trying to design an italic and found zero resources that were at all thorough enough that helped me understand how to design an italic, how to take Mm. your Roman and to design an italic, or how to just design an italic in general. Uh, Most type design guides out there teach you how to design upright Roman type, which is fine. I get it. But um. I was so excited to see this resource being published, available for download. I have to say it's very hefty, so I've not gone through it yet. It is a lot of pages and yeah. a lot of information and a lot of diagrams. But even the chapter names, oh my gosh, I like can't wait to read into that. I mean, even just one of the chapters is a framework for approaching italic design. I could yeah. use just this chapter and have felt <laughs> more successful as an amateur designer. <laughs> Plus, I mean, no surprise, I guess, but still got to appreciate how beautiful the design of the thesis paper is. The typesetting here, I mean, it's it's yeah. classic typography manual design, and it's done very well. Yeah, we gotta, I, I just, I really we gotta want... like talk to this guy. Like, I we know. should interview him. Noted. I am yeah. marking that down because I agree, and I think this has a lot of potential to bring a lot of great information to the type design community and young type designers what a cool cool thing oh my gosh this is awesome distributed under creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives which like that's perfect that's perfect for this type of thing like you can share it as long as you say who wrote it you Mm -hmm. can't use it for commercial work and you like can't change it like that all makes perfect sense for a thesis but to be able to have it under that license where it's protected to stay free as -hmm. long as you respect it that that's so cool very excited about this being available in general great 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 find now is actually kind of a cool time to take a break and say hey thank you to our sponsors thank you to adobe for helping to sponsor this week's episode their creative suite is one of the standards of design software and comes with a subscription to like a giant library of fonts that you can install embed use pretty much however you like We've even got a few of our fonts in their library as well, if you're looking for those. And uh, we are grateful for them supporting the community with us. Totally. 
And thanks, too, to our members. Um, if you don't know, we've got a small and wonderful membership where for a tiny amount every month, you get awesome extra resources in our weekly typographic emails every week. Those are cool fonts that we found that you might want to add to your arsenal. Current jobs or gigs you might be interested in. Um, at the moment, it's only $5 a month, and we're upgrading a bunch soon. So hop in now if you want to get those goodies next week. Our next find is almost equally as novel as I brought this to the <laughs> table and both me and you were like, I don't know what this type category is. Are right. you sure that this is a real thing? Like, how have we never heard of this? But there's so many examples of typefaces that are this thing. Um, and that thing is Unowith typefaces. Unowith, as in like U-N-I-W-I-D-T-H. And Micah and I were both like, Oh, you mean monospace? Literally, the but second no. paragraph is like, and no, I am not talking about monospaced. So um, this is interesting. It describes so it as like a, a monospaced font is not proportional, as in it takes up the same amount of space uh, for each character. But a unit face, they are still proportional, as in like the width of an I is going to be smaller than the width of a Q. But the width those bounding boxes of each character tell me if i'm getting this right are the same across all of the different weights of the font so even if you make a font bold it won't change the physical space that that word is taking up i think it's so novel and That's i can't crazy. believe i haven't like come across this because there are examples in this article about you know with fonts that show fonts that i'm familiar with that i did not realize were you with for example recursive by Aerotype, which we've talked about a few times. We love it's open source as well, which is incredible. So you should definitely open up and take a look for yourself. Um, and, it, you know, it's easier to understand this concept with examples, but I didn't realize I was Unowith. And the advantages of Unowith from what I'm reading here, and Mike, I know you're on the web a little bit more than I am, is when text is able to stay the same width depending on the weight, it makes it easier for user interfaces to stay in a more controlled environment. Yeah. And there's a really good visual example of exactly what you're talking about with like different items where a normal proportional font, if you were scrolling over like tags or something listed in little boxes underneath mm. something, uh, if you scroll and you wanted to get bold as you're hovering over it, then it shifts the whole list depending on which item you're hovering over and with these mm -hmm. everything can stay in place because the web is so sensitive for layout like it wants to break mm -hmm. all the time it's constantly trying to mess itself up so that's i mean that's such a tiny detail but i can totally appreciate that i knew you'd explain it in an elegant way that i was not able to <laughs> But this is this is really cool. Um, I definitely want to check out a lot of these here. You know, recursive is the open source one, but there's just a lot of work with this initiative in mind. And I think it's just an innovative thing in typography that has not been talked about. So I'm excited to see that this is getting some attention. It has to be useful, too, for like justifying text, even like a print format, you know, like. Absolutely. I've been I've been working with somebody on like different justification options for variable fonts lately and stuff like that. And like justification obviously is horrible on the web. It's just not precise. Whereas in InDesign or something, you have a lot of control over individual pieces. But in this instance, it just makes everything more predictable, right? 
Like mm -hmm. if you if you get mm -hmm. something lined up and there's no rivers in your paragraph and you suddenly need to make something bold, you're still going to have no rivers in your paragraph. Plus, so, I appreciate that this has a lot of examples with different character styles. Yes. You know, there's like cute and quirky and like very basic and everything in between shown in here. There's a very somber climate crisis font, which I didn't know the type world has gone that dark, but there it is. And it goes from the heaviest font weight represents the minimum extent of the Arctic sea ice in the year 1979. And the lightest cut represents the predicted 2050 forecast. And as you can imagine, it is bleak. That's, that is pretty rough, but kind of a neat way to share that point. It's a new way to share it, for sure. And it's an open source font. Oh, look at that. Very cool. So definitely go check that out. Play around with what you see there. And I think it'll be really handy if for your next project. You never know when you'll need something like that. Our last article from our dear friend, John Bordley at I Love Typography. It is I Love Typography's favorite typefaces of 2020. <laughs> uh, 2020 was super chaotic and it is addressed early on in this article, but I think maybe a small win is that we've gotten some really amazing typefaces out of last year. And um, John just outlines all the tiny little details and quirks and each of these favorite picks that make you love them even more if you didn't know them mm. and hey I, I i really like some of these i already have my favorite picked out because i know you're gonna ask micah as you always do but definitely really fun i was shocked to hear that they created ornaments for sentinel the hoffler and co famous typeface oh yeah i guess i missed that part sentinel was like one of my first font loves back in back in olden days and frankly i mean i think i scrolled mm -hmm. right past it because all of the other ones in this article were so magnificent that's true they talk about the font by ulrich rausch mm. and we were talking about her last week she does really great like handwriting fonts so take a look at the ballpoint font she has where she literally has alternates that are scratches i love that yeah my favorite font is logia logia l-o-g-g-i-a it is a really beautiful and i'm not i'm not even big on like fonts that are high contrast like that look very fashiony that's usually not my style mm. but this is just just freaking gorgeous and elegant and i can't stop looking at it and they're <laughs> amazing alternates for round letters like c and g where they bloat up into this really huge letter form and then that if you look at the cool. b in this the b in the typeface has this little cut in the counter that makes it look almost like a beveled typeface. I can't get over this. It is so freaking pretty. That's one of those beautiful optical illusions too, where at first I saw it as this like three dimensional shadow and it was almost like turned three quarters and that's how we were seeing it. Yeah. Just with like beautiful background foreground play. And then as soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, but it could be a cut too. Like, that's that's some good art yeah. school shit that we haven't heard. You know, like how often do we get to play with that kind of dynamic? Yeah, I really want to see this in use. Hopefully it comes into being in the fashion industry sooner rather than later. What is your favorite, Micah? I had two favorites. I'm sorry. One is Signifier because, frankly, I used to be such a huge fanboy of Hoffler and Frere Jones. And I feel like Chris Sowersby 
took over that spot for me. Yes. Uh, like it, they're just such usable, but still beautiful. Like I love the flag serifs. I don't know. It's delicious. And yes. then I, my second though, that I'm really torn, like the exact opposite of the spectrum is the Trico script. If that's how you say it. Oh yeah. I saw that. And I, I hate the I usage with multiple colors. I get that's part of the whole point, but uh, you know, just the mm -hmm. simple black on white i was like shoot that's got so much quirky personality and i mm -hmm. love any font where you mm -hmm. like zoom in and see weird notches on curves and stuff that's part of what i liked about signifier up above too yeah yeah signifier does that so well these are definitely different ends of the spectrum but i can see the fundamentals being similar here i gotta say too i would my first reaction when he sent us this article was like this is a beautiful article I love the color choice, like the whole art direction, job. which I, I, I looked then, to like the body copy and I'm sure all of the other texts are Hoffler fonts. It is ideal sans. I have to say my favorite part of this article is down at the bottom. There's a section just for really great individual glyphs from each of these typefaces and it's really satisfying and like I just always love pulling out one letter that's your favorite because there's always going to be one and I really appreciated this section there's some really funky fun ones here that did make me think of you all right Micah it's time it's nerd alert okay all right so we are talking about legibility versus readability Again, might not sound like the most fun topic, but we're going to make it interesting. We're Don't even apologize it for it. We're it's gonna... useful info. It's going to be great. It is. It is. Okay. So first of all, I went through Thinking with Type by Ellen Lupton and Just My Type by Simon Garfield and Bringhurst. I went through all of these books and there was no like specific section that I found from the index that was just on this topic. Huh. So I thought that was kind of weird. Most of the information I got was from the internet, from different blogs, and from a lot of digital blogs talking about user interface. So keep in mind, that's where a lot of this information comes from. I did find a whole section about legibility versus readability in the House Industries lettering manual I have, and they define it a little bit differently. So that's interesting. That's a good tease. Okay. All right. Legibility is really related to the typeface design. It really has to do with how easy it is to distinguish one glyph from the next one. Okay. okay, so that is largely controlled by the typeface design. Readability, on the other hand, has much more to do with how readable the typeface is once it's typeset. I'll give a few examples of legibility and things that are attributed to legibility can be an X height, can be a weight of a typeface design, can be contrast within letter forms. So when we see display typeface or text typeface, when a typeface, let's say, canela text versus canela display, canela text is optimized for legibility. There are things within the minutia of the letter forms that make it more legible in more circumstances. But readability has more to do with the line length that the typographer sets the type in. It has to do with the justification, if it's center justified, left justified, right justified. And it can also do with the letting. And then finally, it's something else that 
attributes to readability is color contrast, how easy it is to read the text that is typeset against the background color that you're reading it in. Does this make sense? That makes perfect sense. So it's almost like you're saying that the that legibility applies to how easy is it to recognize the characters in the word that I'm looking at and readability mm -hmm. is in the context of this whole design, how well can I read what you're saying? Yes. Love it. Exactly. Love it. And I think I think people that are true type nerds will kind of understand in depth both of those ideas because if you're a typographer you have the responsibility to choose a typeface that will be legible and be easily distinguished once your eye sets upon it no matter what the type setting but also if you're a good typographer you understand how to lay out type to look appealing and super interesting is that in a lot of this research a lot of people have opinions that readability also has to do with the copywriting of the text mm. that sentences and paragraphs can be short and to the point. They're not ongoing and long and long and long. And I think a lot of this has to do more in a digital like setting when people kind of are skimming a lot of web pages and not reading word to word to word all the time. So thinking about like, does the, the alignment of certain things make sense? Do hierarchy make sense? That has to do with, you know, readability as well. Do you put some copy in bullet points? I think what you do a lot on the site, Micah, that I think is great is there's a lot of different hierarchy and headlines, but also highlighted and also bullet points. So it makes the page reader friendly, which we all take for granted. But there was a time when there was no CSS on the web and things <laughs> were just going, going, going. There was no margins. There was little readability, even if there was legibility in the text. Heck, I still see that on some websites. Oh God, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that's, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, readability can also have to do with what we were talking about earlier is the science of your eyes seeing text and being able to read it. So distance can also be attributed to readability. They're talking about your reading speed has to do and your reading eye movements and if your eye gets fatigued. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the web, a lot of like backgrounds don't have 100% black text and they have gray text and that's to be more easily read, correct? Right, right, right. So I think it's, that's a really interesting point. One thing that I am taking with me from this nerd alert into my ongoing design career is that color contrast. I feel like that's always something that I think all designers are plagued with is, can, is this enough contrast between my text and my background, my foreground, my background. I think it's like kind of an ever going problem. They actually suggest to determine whether or not it's enough contrast. If you want to do a test on your design, you can put it into grayscale. And if it's still readable in grayscale, it will be very readable in full color. So I think yeah. that's great. Yeah, I've definitely Tiny heard that tip. tip before. And there are some tools that help measure the ratio of contrast. Um, You've mentioned that. I don't always believe the tools. There's like standards to that sort of thing that I am not an expert about. Um, mm -hmm. But that black and white version is often how I actually decide it. Just quickly like switch the screen to black and white if I'm unsure if this is enough and that'll give me a much better idea. That's such that's a, that's a such great, a great gem tip. of knowledge. Yeah, I, that's one of those things that I yeah. think I don't realize that everybody hasn't learned necessarily. Not specifically that tip, I don't but think also I've... that that approach. 
that that's a thing to be thinking for about. sure i think it makes sense i think a lot of cases when text isn't readable is a lot because of sometimes if you're using brighter colors i design with a lot of colors usually it's the vibration between colors where i'm like is this mm. fun or is this irritating to look at because your eyes like vibrating between these two colors right right um last point is that the house industry's lettering manual that i have in front of me talks about readability and legibility and I think also an interesting way, it's a, a little bit different of a definition, but I think it's a definition for a letterer or a lettering artist. Okay. And that's talking about, you know, legibility. We can sacrifice legibility if we want to make some really cool psychedelic lettering pieces. Okay, that makes sense. Um, you think about like those old psychedelic lettering where it takes a minute to read what it says, but mm. like you can ultimately read it. Um, and I'd say that they say in here that that's low in readability, but still has legibility. So this is talking more about, you know, letter forms as art pieces in that sort of context. But he's pretty much saying that readability in fancy schmancy lettering pieces is not even like on the table sometimes. But you do want to still keep legibility in mind, because if you can't read it at all, then it's not successful. That is an interesting distinction. I, I don't think that contradicts what you said before. I feel like the definitions still match. It's just more about mm -hmm. here's a context where the rules might be different than another context. And while a For lot sure. of us are working uh, in like extremely practical devices where we're trying to make a web page or typeset a book or make a poster that you can read, uh, Part of your job as the typographer is to push and pull the opportunities for which part am I going to make visually appealing and interesting and pull you in and make you just want to enjoy looking at it versus which part do you mm -hmm. really need to understand what it says? Yeah. So I thought that was like, it was a nice read because that's a little bit more of what I was familiar with on the concept because I do love display typography and you know that's I think a little bit more of the context I heard of it but it was great hearing both contexts and then he also talks about you know there are some contexts where the case for legibility people don't find it necessary for example I didn't even realize this was so illegible the classic Lord and Taylor script <laughs> logo which oh I think if I've you don't have it, that in front of you you gotta google it I've seen it before because I've seen it before. I never thought about how illegible it is. It's so iconic that- That's actually a perfect example. I, I love that example because it's logos. Like I think a lot of yeah. people have preconceived notions about logos, but I, I remember one of the, oh, wow, this just brought back a memory. In art school, it was my junior year. I was taking an identity design class with a very talented teacher whom I don't even remember his name. And he basically said, everybody thinks that logos are the most important thing and logos basically don't matter. It matters to have one and it matters that it's different somehow from everything else, but it does not matter what it is. It can be absolutely mm -hmm. anything as long as you successfully like attach the idea of your company to this gibberish, it'll work. Mm-hmm. And that That's Morgan Taylor like is exactly, it's gibberish. It's gibberish. It's beautiful. And it's really fascinating because if you look this up, go look up the new Lord and Taylor logo. And it literally looks like Sharpie scrawl. It looks like just someone took a Sharpie and wrote Lord and Taylor and it was just some random person in the office and they were not 
a skilled lettering artist. And it's so legible, but so casual that it like takes the level of luxury that I associate with Lauren Taylor super low. Like that does not look like luxury. Interesting. Oh, I'm suddenly very intrigued. Okay, so I found this for those at home by Googling it. And there's an underconsideration.com brand new. Brand new is a great blog for uh, logos and identity. And they have a before and after. It's interesting because the rules of luxury are so different. And I've read whole books on this topic because I'm so fascinated by the concepts of luxury. Uh, and I have to agree, like that, that certainly does not seem like a decision to honor any sort of ideal of luxury. It seems like, hey, we marked down our prices and you should come buy it real quick. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm going to add that on this note because I always love bringing it back to the real world. But I think that's really fascinating. Yeah. So legibility, readability, great, great, great nerd alert, my friend. We're hoping to do a handful of workshops this year with some help from our very dear friend. And that would be a really interesting deep dive one time into like, let's talk about what tools you have in your designer toolkit to be able to play with legibility versus readability, especially now with variable fonts to affect Mm -hmm. the differences in readability, the differences in legibility and and what you can actually do in Adobe or on the web or whatever. That'd be a cool workshop. I love that idea. I'm note taking in the brain for us. Good. All right, fun heckin' times. Hey, by the way, if anybody has cool links to share next week, send them our way. You know, we don't have like an official thing for that necessarily, but you know, we got Instagram, we got Twitter, we got email. Uh, and every once in a while people share stuff and it's like, yes, we did not find that. So share some cool stuff if you we find always, it this week. Always appreciated. Also, got to thank our listeners every week. Thanks for, you know, tuning in. We love to see the support and any feedback that you guys have. We always appreciate it. Um, and we hope that you, you found this episode just as delightful and exciting as our past ones. Our wonderful little type nerd community. I love it.